Welcome back, everybody, to this week's edition of the About Review podcast. I'm your host on this epic journey of podcasting, that guy named John. And I am joined uh, by two people, uh, kind of the awkward cast, or it might be the uh, West Coast Avengers, you know, like the ones that are really good, but kind of okay. Anyway, Dr. Andy and this guy named Steve. <laughs> West Coast. I'm actually from the Deep South. The deep south. Deep south of England. Deep south of England. Yeah. Right. Welcome, guys. Thanks hey. very much. I'd like to thank my agent and mm. uh, my wife. <laughs> Neither of which exists. Yeah. So <laughs> amazing. Andy, do you have anyone to thank for being on the podcast? Uh, mm. No, not really. <clears throat> I mean, anybody. <laughs> anybody no, at all. No, I can't think of anybody at all. Sorry. Wow. Rude. <laughs> uh, all right. So on this episode, we, of course, are going to talk about the 2017 Oscars, not the 20,000 Roaring Orcs. Uh, if anybody listens to Magic Tavern and they heard that first part of 20 and got really excited, there are not 20,000 Roaring Orcs, just the 2017 Oscars. But by, by the way, where, where's mm-hmm. Tim? Because I could have sworn it wasn't actually Steve sitting next to me when we did the pre-Oscar show. I mean, no no sure? disrespect to you, Steve, <laughs> but I could have... yeah. No, yeah. but no, no. I mean, if I'm if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm I'm always prepared to admit that. Well, considering you never listen to the episodes, I could have just cut <laughs> Steve in the episode, like cut out Tim entirely, and then just like dubbed in Steve's answers right. to things. Okay, uh, which well, I which I would never do. I sure hope that Tim isn't listening to this episode. No, Tim actually. Uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Support <laughs> to it. Supports the podcast that uh-huh. he is on uh, every now and then. So yeah, <laughs> whatever. <clears throat> Of course, shout out to Tim Hall, People's Critic, who was here last week uh, as Andy, Dr. Andy and I, of course, gosh, Thank uh, you. talked Thank about you. the Oscars. So we'll get to that. That will be at the end of the show. We're already in prime shape here. We're we are. Throwing shade like crazy. <laughs> Hip top shape. Wow. Uh, but yeah, first thing first, uh, I wanted to thank the sponsor for this episode of the About to Review podcast. The sponsor is, of course, American Music, located at 4405 Fremont Avenue in Fremont, Seattle. And I'm reminded of them because I happened to look down at my little mixing board thing, and I saw this amazing quarter-inch to eighth-inch adapter. And Steve, I I mean, tell me about this piece of amazing machinery. (laughs) I needed it in order to hook into your system here. Mm -hmm. And well, I have headphones that have a one-eighth-inch jack. Yes. And I needed a quarter-inch jack. I went in there. Do you, I said, "Do you have this adapter?" Now, if you go into Radio Shack, they <laughs> oh, almost have what you need. Yeah, they go, "Oh, well, do you need a sixteenth to, to a fourth jack," and you go, "No, no. that won't work." <laughs> no. But they always try to give you. But, but they, they music, can give you. Can, Radio Shack could give you three different adapters that would eventually get you to where <laughs> exactly. you want it to go. It's just a Frankenstein type thing. Right. But I can I can hear myself loud and clear. Uh, sorry, I can hear you as well. No, and, uh, no, no, but no, it's, it's fantastic. It's working it's faulty. well. <laughs> but American music is fantastic. You go in there, the guys know what they talk, they're talking about, mm-hmm. and they uh, are very, you know, they listen to you, and they know what you want, and they help you get it. I went in with my friend Carrie, who's a drummer. She's learning how to drum, and uh, she was looking for particular... <laughs> She is a drummer. She's, she's is... learning how to play the guitar, <laughs> <laughs> which granted, you know, I guess could happen, but yes. Yeah, and she was looking for a specific symbol, mm-hmm. and uh, they were extremely helpful, and she got the symbol she needed. Nice. Ooh, yeah. did she get the uh, the ride that she was looking for? You don't know what I'm talking about, do you? Was it purple? Was it purple on top? It was purple. Oh, there we she go. got the big purple oh, ride. That's yeah, nice. yeah. Okay. The look oh. on Steve's face just then when he actually had to answer a question about recording or like music equipment. <laughs> just 
I, I was actually running it through my innuendo device. Oh, and, yeah. And, uh, yeah. This is a family show, and Steve. It, <laughs> it made my brain fizzle for a second. But in all seriousness, that's a great store. Mm-hmm. I love going in there. Yeah, really cool plays. So definitely check them out. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for supporting the show and being American a music. <laughs> yeah, that would be great if you had not interrupted me. You want to do it again? And go. American music. 4405 Fremont Avenue. Uh, cool. So the other thing uh, that I wanted to do right off the top of the show is theme song. Yeah, still no theme song. Uh, there is a new review on iTunes, it is a five star review. Uh, by El Panini. Uh, I'm not sure if that is a name or something on a menu. The El Panini. Either way, delicious. <laughs> right. Uh, the subject is, if I could listen to just one podcast, dot, 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 but I don't. I listen to a lot, smiley face. This guy named John reviews an awesome variety of geekdom from game jams and VR studios to the latest films and TV shows. I love it. I can feel my... <laughs> I can feel my plug coming. I, I know he's going to give me a nice call out here. Mm. I just know it. Nope. Uh, so, well, first, thank you, El Panini. Uh, there is a slight correction. It is not this guy named John. It is that guy named John. See, and he this meant guy, to compliment me, guy named but he Steve. just screwed up the name. That happens all the time. Yeah. You know what? I'll take the compliment. Thank you, El Panini. Yeah. Uh, Andy, did you hear anything in, in there? I'm, I'm, I'm not certain I did. I'm very I'm not certain I did. Hmm. Yeah, uh, at least so, between the lines. It's so, true. so thank you, El Panini. But yes, uh, the VR Studios, that was an episode that, of course, this guy named Steve uh, was on when we went to Inverse Studios at Comotion Labs. That's logical. So yeah, thank you. If you want to leave a review, which I would love that, uh, you go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating. It will be read aloud in the uh, yeah review section of the podcast, which ends with theme song. <laughs> I was think I was actually thinking about theme songs. So, oh wow! But yeah, I don't, know. I don't really know what you're looking for. So. Beatboxing skills, you show. Oh gosh! No, I'm not going to do that. On <laughs> I'm sorry. I, gotta wipe I, the only get, I get paid for that. No, oh, right. <clears throat> okay, so uh, now that now that that is out of the way, moving on to the next section. So there was an awesome film festival that happened uh, this past weekend. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, which that is when the episode drops, so why would you wait and not listen to it on Wednesday? So the weekend of the 24th and 25th uh, in Vancouver, there's another film festival that I was graciously invited to by Lillian Sue, the assistant publicist uh, for the Crazy Eights Film Festival. I unfortunately could not go this weekend, but she really helped me out and provided some screening links for some of the films that were shown at this huge showcase that happened on Saturday night. I say huge because when I was watching the Twitter feed and the hashtag crazy eights film where they had the screening at the center, um, which probably has an R E I'm looking at you, mm-hmm. Dr. Andy. Mm. Um, it has like 17 in it as well. That would just be weird. 1700 people in attendance. For this festival. That's gigantic. So really, really cool. Really impressive. Uh, but yeah, since I could not go, we were able to, I say we, because this guy named Steve and I, uh, were able to watch three of the films that premiered this weekend. And what makes this festival unique? So this festival has some very interesting things about it in that unlike other film festivals like Andy and I have covered, uh, there are no prizes 
you know, for best cinematography, best direction. What this is, is really a platform for filmmakers to have a chance to make a film in eight days shown in front of studio kind of professionals, you know, from all, all so ranks. Do, what, what are they given? Are there, are there themes? What are they given beforehand? Nope. So what they do, which again is another difference, is there, you have to submit a five-minute video to this committee. This year, there were 216 entries for just a five-minute pitch. From then, uh, 60 semifinalists are chosen to do an in-person pitch to industry professionals. From there, then it goes down to 12 finalists, workshop their script, and eventually, six winners are chosen. They're given $1,000 uh, for production thousand dollars and a production package provided by sponsors in the local production community up there to make a film in eight days that is pretty awesome because then if you if you have a great idea what do you have to lose you do a five-minute pitch video of like hey this is what i want to happen this these are character developments and you send it off and you could eventually get money to then make the film granted you only have three days to film it and then five days to post and do all the processing, but mm. that in and of itself is incredible. Do you do you have to be Canadian to enter this? Unlike the Vancouver Short Film Festival, uh, this one is not that specific. This is uh, international, I, I believe. I would have to check with with Lillian about that. Um, but yeah, so Steve, of the three that you saw, how about you just pick one of them to start off and tell us about it? I think. My favorite of three was Cypher, mm-hmm. Cypher, uh, which is about, uh, it takes place in L.A. in 1997, mm-hmm. and uh, it involves the Korean community and the black community, and uh, uh, two groups of, uh, uh, what do you, what'd you call it, rap battlers? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I've never felt less hip. This, is, this whole podcast is not going to go well for me. Rap battlers. <laughs> Oh my god. That's not the kind of thing I would be saying, Steve, honestly. Oh, I'm crying. So, first, first, let me apologize to the listeners uh, who might might have been listening to this on a. I might actually break out my break beats. That was amazing. They're they're both slam poets. Okay. And they do Mm. rap battles. Yes. Okay. That was amazing. This is the kind of entertainment I provide. <laughs> All right. So they uh this is in the wake of the uh the riots that mm-hmm. happened in nineteen ninety two. And uh one thing that I was recently reminded of when I was watching the OJ documentaries mm-hmm. is that a African American teenager was killed by a Korean uh grocery store owner in 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 around that time. The uh the young girl was trying to buy some orange juice right. and there was an altercation of some kind. And as she walked away, the Korean uh, store owner shot her in the back of the head. Mm-hmm. And that added to uh, the uh, tension, tension at the time for sure. on top of the Rodney King beating and so forth. Mm-hmm. So uh, that is what precipitates a lot of the tension between the Korean group and the African-American group there. Yep. Is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. So uh, it culminates in them having a battle, and it's pretty. Uh, it gets pretty intense 
uh, not in a in a uh, confrontational way necessarily, but a pretty emotional way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that one had the biggest impact to me. But all three of these movies are shot really well. I mean, yeah. they're beautiful. They sound good. Uh, they're written well. I was really impressed with these folks were able to do in eight days. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Cipher is definitely it was an interesting take. Uh, <laughs> I just I still cannot get over your initial description of that. Uh, the hip hop music. Uh, <laughs> uh, viewers, just imagine a big bag of just all-purpose white flour. Um, so <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, it was. How it was can good. I get any more white than a British guy that's sitting next to me? I mean, that's some deep lily white roots. <laughs> Only I half represent that. <laughs> <laughs> Only half though. So, um, so yeah, Cipher was really cool. I definitely I liked it. I liked the. It kind of had the uh, do the right thing type of vibe. I was going to say, does that, that sound like something, uh, uh, you know, a slight part of do the right thing? Mm-hmm. But it was di- very, I mean, it was different. Very it was different. different. Yeah, it was definitely yeah. different. Um, I was interested in this one, I mean, mainly because when I was first sent the synopsis of these three, I was like, all right, you know, I was interested to see what kind of take they were going to do with this, what, what kind of angle they were going to do. So, yeah, I, I definitely liked that one. The performances were good. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the emotional crux of it, mm-hmm. in the cipher that they were having, and you see that each of the characters really start to get emotional, right. you know, and their whole purpose is like, okay, I'm here to win this particular cipher. The way that they go about doing it and what they have to realize about themselves yeah. and about the other person gets to be really interesting. And the DJ is incredible in that as well. Spoiler alert: there is no DJ. Uh, the MC. <laughs> Okay, there we go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, so, gosh. anyway, so yes, that was Cypher. Um, <laughs> uh, that was actually a Whistler Film Festival award-winning director, uh, Lawrence Lalam. Who At the beginning, he's on a microphone in a studio. Okay. That's not an MC, that's not a DJ? If he was... <laughs> Oh, there's the DJ. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So the radio, radio the radio host was a DJ. Yes, he was a radio DJ. But are you talking about him? He was the host of the cipher. You're talking about that actor or the two people in the battle? No, no, the actor who was mm-hmm. the host of the rap battle. Gotcha. At the beginning of the movie, he's in a studio. Yeah, right? he has a radio show on. That's what I, I meant think, by DJ. Gotcha. Yeah. Nice cover. Um, it was on, I think, yeah. I think one of, slightly off topic. Here. 106. Okay. Uh, yeah. So cool. All right. Moving on from Cypher. So yeah, that was definitely well done. Yeah. I like the raw emotion yeah. that you saw in the actors. Uh, one of the ones that spoke to me, uh, which might not be a surprise to you, Steve, uh, is called The Prince. So The Prince is about the struggles of this young girl uh, and her uncle as they're trying to understand a situation that happens on a public bus, on just a public transportation bus, where the three of them, it is the uncle and then his young niece and nephew, uh, just kind of hanging out. Just he is taking them to school. They get a call from, or the uncle gets a call from his dad. And this this prince, or this prince, this actor, uh, his name is Aram, which... Amir. Amir, sorry. Uh, Amir, which, of course, definition is Prince. So he gets on the phone, and he is speaking in another language, of course. And you start to see the reaction of a certain person in the back of the bus 
and you just you start to feel the tension right away and i personally start getting really nervous uh because i have been in situations like that i have been around situations like that and so right away i'm like i i just i was emotionally invested and scared mm -hmm. uh, about what was going to happen so something happens on the bus i i will not go into it but something traumatic happens and so then this little girl and the, the nephew who are both really good start asking questions like you do they're like why did he say that what like what is going they're just trying to understand what just happened and you start to see how that that ripple starts to affect the uncle's life the niece's life and the choices that uh amir who is an actor which was kind of funny in this film has to then make choices in his own life in his own film career mm -hmm. so yeah it was just this one again it was it was very real mm -hmm. it was very uh authentic and it it spoke to me the most yeah so i think the real challenge with this one is how do you make it not an after school special yeah because the question they're asking right off the bat is is discrimination bad <laughs> of course <laughs> no no i'm saying yeah, yeah. it's mm -hmm. a very obvious yeah. setup in a sense uh but they handle it really well Mm -hmm. And uh, all of the performances felt very real. The reactions felt real uh, with the kids. It's hard to get kids acting very genuinely. Yeah. I found some great kids for this. And uh, tying it all together is his niece's dance performance, yes. uh, which is very uh, artfully edited into mm -hmm. with some match cuts and stuff. So, yeah. That was actually what I really liked about both Prince and Cypher is they're kind of this mixed media piece where they are showing you the underlying message, showing you the storyline, through these different art mediums within the crux of the film or within the scope of the film itself. So yeah, this dance recital that, that she is doing and as she is doing it, the way that it cuts in the movie. Yeah. So really well done. Um, I just, yeah, I liked that one. It was emotionally charged and yeah, it made me nervous. Mm -hmm. So, and yeah, on to our third one. So uh, this one is called, and forgive, forgive me if my, my, accent or my pronunciation uh on hung i i believe uh which is a vietnamese word uh that means hero uh, hero yeah. yes so it means hero so this is a story about two siblings as they struggle to keep the relationship intact while growing up in a household that is kind of doing some shady stuff mm -hmm. and again you see this little girl start to pick up on, on these things start to see the world differently than than she was thinking about it and was viewing it mm -hmm. as happens you know with kids so it follows her and her older brother as her older brother starts getting into some stuff that mm -hmm. is is not so good mm -hmm. so yeah what were your impressions of of this film really well shot really well acted uh yeah uh, i enjoyed it yeah it was good mm -hmm. yeah this is one that i mean it really made you wonder and ask the questions how do we view the adults in our community and how does what they do shape our lives yeah just through those observations and andy as i as i'm sure you have known also when you start having you know children in your life or people that you are around start to perceive what is going on they start to ask questions and those questions mm -hmm. sometimes are not that easy to answer mm -hmm. so yeah. I just ignored all of them with my <laughs> with your daughter. <laughs> Go ask yeah. your mother. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then she sees it from a personal level and then that escalates things mm -hmm. as well. 
Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. This I'd is... like to see more of this one. You know, I'd like to see where else it goes. Uh, you know, if it were made into a feature length film, I think well, that, and that's really one of the see... things about these. I mean, sort of, it, some films like seem really congested. You've got mm-hmm. way too much stuff in. Others, you think mm, you could have cut out a whole bunch on either side. So this was one of those ones where you could have expanded on the theme quite easily. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. For and sure. It ended with a breath in. I was like, okay, mm. what's next? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's a good thing. Which also is the other cool thing about the Crazy Eights Film Festival is because these filmmakers, these six filmmakers, get to show their film in front of industry professionals, you might get an editor, a scriptwriter, somebody who comes to you after the show and be like, does the same thing Steve just said. is like, hey, I like this. What more? Where do you see the story going? And from there, you could have a huge opportunity to then go on and actually do make a series or do make you know, a, a feature-length film. So, yeah. So those were just three films um, yeah, from the Crazy It's Film Festival. Again, huge thank you to uh, Lillian Sue, uh, who you can find on Twitter. Because, yeah, she is awesome. She is a big champion of just the arts community. And, yeah, her Twitter feed is chock full of indie artists. And, yeah, I, I liked that. And I'm looking her up right now because, for whatever reason, it did not save the link. You can find Lillian Sue on Twitter at l su 23 so yeah she is a just publicist and social media strategist definitely hit her up uh she is a big champion of just indie film so yeah thank you lillian for the opportunity hopefully i'm able to come up there next year and and cover the crazy it's film festival on location but thank you for the screeners and and yeah that we really enjoyed them moving on to a review of a movie that I'm the only one of us who has seen so far, but I know Steve for sure is going to see this. Definitely. Andy, maybe not, because Andy does not like scary movies, because Andy <laughs> still sleeps with the teddy bear. Um, with, with the light on. With the, wow, teddy bear and the lights on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Would it be Paddington? Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Um. <laughs> uh, okay, so the, mo- the film that I will be reviewing is the directorial debut of Jordan Peele, the film is Get, Get Out. out. Uh, this film <laughs> is so just from the trailers, you can tell this movie is going to be intense. Uh, it is marketed as a horror, and that would be my first kind of not knock on it, but to me, this is not a horror film. This was a psychological thriller, a mystery, but it. I could see how they could have it as horror, but to me it was not. Um, But yeah, this for sure is a psychological thriller that, and it sounds cliche, but from beginning to end, you you were involved in the movie. Um, To its credit and to its detriment, Mm -hmm. which which I will definitely get into. Uh, The other day you described it in a really good movie meets movie type of way. mm. Do you remember the two movies that you smashed together to describe it? So this is basically, and I think I got this from, I think I saw something like this on another review. But yeah, it is Guess Who's Coming to Dinner meets The Stepford Wives. Uh-huh. So you have this character uh, going into, I think, like upstate New York-ish. They keep talking about any time in the movies and they're like, oh, are you going up? You know, are you coming up from the city this weekend? I immediately think of upstate New York for whatever reason. But yeah. Uh, so anyway, so... He is going upstate to meet his parents or meet his girlfriend's parents. And 
one of the things you have to understand with this movie is Jordan Peele is known for his comedy. Like he was a writer, even going back to like Mad TV mm-hmm. back in the day. Like he is a comedic writer. Uh, he wrote one of Andy's favorite movies last year that we talked about on an early episode of the podcast called Keanu. Oh, yeah. That was uh, good. I remember that one. Uh, you didn't like it. No, I liked oh, it. Oh, you did? He oh, did. okay. I thought okay. you were being... Okay. Yeah. It had a cat in it, you know. It What's not to like? <laughs> um, but yeah, so he is known for his comedy. That's pretty good, yeah. So with this, there are comedic elements throughout the entire movie, which to me sometimes felt out of place. Uh, they but were they to release attention like yes but to me it was like it it made me question okay what kind of movie are you really wanting to do so that was kind of weird for me like there were really intense moments um and then one of the character he would call the comedian Lil Ray Howery who played Rod uh, Williams in this movie who's a TSA agent he is amazing super funny guy both in this movie and outside, like in his stand-up routines and the stuff that he has done. But yeah, there would be a tense moment and then there'd be a phone call and Rod would be kind of joking around and it was just kind of weird. Uh, to to put it in context of, this one actually is legitimate, a really good, one of Andy's favorite movies of last year, Green Room. Mm-hmm. It was tension from beginning to end. Like it was really, that there were not those moments of, oh, we need to, we need to put a joke in here to break the tension. Mm-hmm why like if you're going to do a movie like this just ratchet it up like just give us that tension so the comedic well, moments no, i mean I, I'm, the reason why you put in comic relief is is to to disarm people and then you ratchet up the tension again and sometimes it happens really fast after yeah. you do yeah. the joke yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it's kind of like, oh i'm at ease again oh my yeah. gosh <laughs> yeah. good point and and that did happen one of the times other times the jokes were all funny that was the not the problem, but that was the thing. Is like, it was a funny movie. Did it overshadow the no thriller aspect? No, it definitely. It was a creepy, creepy movie. There was some fantastic imagery in this film. Uh, there is a part of the movie where he goes to a place called the Sunken Place, so kind of uh, the upside down ish type of thing. That imagery in those scenes was fantastic. Like, it just, it made you physically feel claustrophobic. Like, it was, it was incredible. Mm-hmm. So, it definitely had those really, really high-tension moments intercut with some jokes. Uh, one of my favorite things, though, is, it was not even necessarily, like, a fourth-wall-breaking thing. One of the tropes in scary movies, Black Eye Dies First. Within the first five minutes of this movie... Uh, you see an actor, let me pull up his name, uh, uh, Lakeith Stanfield. He's the main guy. No, uh, ah, that oh, would be okay. Daniel Kulia. Uh, but yeah, you see Lakeith's character, Andrew, walking down a sidewalk, and he is already kind of just like, man, I shouldn't be in this neighborhood. Like, you know, he's just kind of doing that, and a car starts pulling up beside him. It kind of drives past, and then it turns around. His reaction is the real reaction that we always, when we're watching these films, do. And so he was like, yeah, I got to get out of here. And so he just turns around and starts walking away. That in and of itself, like that recognition of being like, yeah, that is what you should do. (laughs) Like if something weird is happening, being like, I wonder what that was. No, you get gone. Like just, no. 
So that was really cool. It's very self-referential. Um, so he didn't get killed. Obviously, he's out. He, he did the opposite thing of what you'd expect. I that can, sounds like I, a spoiler. Yeah, I, I cannot go into that. Oh, I haven't seen it. Some, okay. some interesting things happen uh, to him. <laughs> okay. I think the um, point was that he doesn't get killed in the first five minutes of the yes, film. Yes, that because again he recognizes that's good. This is a situation that is not okay. Yeah. So that was really smart. Like that was just smart filmmaking. And there were quite a few moments in this where Jordan Peele. This is a very ambitious directorial debut. He wrote Keanu. He starred in Keanu. It it was in that kind of same world of Key and Peele. It felt like a long sketch. Doing something like this was different. So, super ambitious, and it worked. Mm. Like, it, it really did work. The performance that Daniel Coolia gives us, Chris Washington, you see part of it in the trailer and in some of the posters where he's sitting in a chair, and the mother, who is played by, what is her name? Catherine Keener, who you recognize from other stuff. You see him in the chair, and he's like, why can't I move? Hmm. Like, what? And that moment in the film, I have gone off before on the podcast about how amazing Viola, Viola Davis's snot crying is. This has a moment, not snot crying, but where tears are streaming down his face and the camera just sits there. Like, it was palpable. Like, that, that was absolutely just incredible filmmaking, a brave choice. For Jordan Peele to just be like, okay, I trust you guys. This is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I I had a few problems with the movie. It is it is far from perfect. Uh, Steven Root is in it, which was a big surprise. He was not in any of the trailers. So when he shows up, almost like a Christopher Walken type of thing, where you see him when you are not expecting him, and you're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> so does does Christopher Walken actually pop up? Uh, no. No, thank goodness. Okay. Steven, Steven Root was that surprise. Where it was like, it is hard not to see him like we know him in so many other roles. Steven Root has played Southern Bigots before pretty well. Yeah. I don't know if he's that in this, but uh, if he has any kind of uh, role like that where he's sort of the mor- morally indignant yeah. um, bigot, then. Yeah. I mean, it. his character was interesting. Uh, his character did not quite make sense some of the times. Um, he's not going to tell us, basically. Yeah. No. Because this is a movie, right off the bat, this is going to be, and already has been, a very divisive movie. This is a movie that is going to make people uncomfortable. And when I say make people feel uncomfortable, make a certain percentage of people watching this film uncomfortable. And I am 100% okay with that <laughs> Mainly because all too often, and we we have talked about this, maybe not on here. I know that Andy and I have talked about it and other times. Every now and then when people go to the movies, they should feel uncomfortable. Art should make you feel uncomfortable sometimes. Mm. So this is going to make people uncomfortable and just let it happen. Uh, yeah. I was just going to say from Key and Peele's sketches, mm-hmm. I know they can do this type of uh, feeling really well, the tension and they're, they're big fans clearly of thrillers and horror movies. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite sketches that's like that 
riffs on Gus from Breaking Bad, the owner of the chicken restaurant, who's very calm and doesn't really do anything scary. But Mm -hmm. because he's so powerful and so uh, violent in other situations, Mm -hmm. it's when he's extremely calm that you are are uh, freaked out the most. Is that the scene in the warehouse? Yeah, the <laughs> warehouse. There's one guy who's being held hostage by this Gus-type character. Mm-hmm. And Gus comes in and he sets down a paper bag on the table, opens it up, and the other guy is freaking out. <laughs> what is that, a juice box? You're bringing out an apple? Oh, my God. Right. Because he's, he, takes he thinks the, he's going to get killed. takes up yeah. the straw of the juice box. And he's like, <laughs> he's no, stabbing. no. Don't kill me with that. Yeah. Oh, so, I mean, yeah, they he gets it. I mean, this, this film... My my again, it kind of goes back to that thing where I struggled with trying to figure out what this is. Um, but for what it was, if he wanted to do a psychological thriller with some comedic elements, yeah, it worked. I, I mean, I it, can't wait to see it. I'm I'm gonna go see it in the theaters. Some of the character performances though were a little bit over the top in a, in a film that you know Lil Ray his over the top things made sense because it was comedy. Uh, the brother that you get introduced to in this movie, uh, played by Caleb Landry Jones, who I did not really recognize from anything, but he looks like Macaulay Culkin, like the 20 years out of yeah, Home Alone Macaulay Culkin, mm. looks real rough. Uh, his character was, was interesting because he was one of the only ones that had one speed, and that speed was just creepy. Like, there were no, like... Character reveals, like, oh, he actually used to be this. Like, he was just straight creep factor the entire movie. Where in the rest of the movie, most of the characters have something else that they do. Um, but yeah, the, the performances were all really good. The people that you see in the trailer that are kind of deadpan expressions, they have to do that a few times in this film. And yet again... Jordan Peele trusts them enough to hold the camera on them and let those moments happen. And you see the tears start to well up as they are so desperately trying to break out of this sunken place. So, yeah, uh, the tension was great. It succeeded in in what it was going for uh, to the rating system. Mm. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, there's a fantastic rating system <laughs> on this podcast and this this rating system applies oh to <laughs> to feature films it applies to video it games doesn't apply to anything though. it applies to life uh so there are three choices wait can we review the reviewing system oh brilliant yeah. uh, I did. i've never thought of doing uh, that. yeah actually you did <laughs> on the early episode oh, okay. <laughs> i gave it an ugly didn't i, I disagree <laughs> uh so the three choices that you have for reviewing a thing are good bad and ugly pretty self-explanatory but a good movie can range from anything from there's a solid good to i love this movie that's the point uh a bad movie as i just keep talking <laughs> over that a bad movie you know you do not regret sitting in the theater you might recommend it to a friend if you know they like that sort of thing ugly you would not recommend so to get out the 2017 movie uh, by jordan peele who wrote and directed it this is definitely a good uh, this was good. I came out of the theater wanting a little bit more from a few of the moments. But my quibbles with this movie are are few and far between. Um, but a commendable first effort in directing Oh, him. for sure. And again, I, I will be very interested to see 
what his next directorial thing is going to be. Is he going to go back to his roots of comedy or do another passion project like this? I think a musical. He could do it. They did, oh my, the Les Mis skit on Keen Peel. I will show it to you, Andy, after it is amazing. So they, I would, I would say music. Oh, I like musicals, but mm. so yeah, uh, Get Out by 20 or by Jordan Peel gets a good from me, the only person who has seen it yet. Steve, once you see it, let me know. Okay. So, all we right. Can, we can splice Steve into this episode once he's seen it. Mm, that would take editing. <laughs> Although the editing is done by Vexing Media, uh, who is who does the audio editing services. They are awesome. Uh, but yeah. So next on the agenda is the highly uh, anticipated mm-hmm. uh, section of the Oscars. Now, as we talked about on the last episode, when it was mm-hmm. Dr. Andy, People's Critic, and I, Andy has a party mm-hmm. every year mm-hmm. at his place. Uh, is there a red carpet? Yes, there is a red carpet. <laughs> there is. Um, and this year... Okay, she, she has been a guest on the show before, uh, way back on oof, like early episode comedic timing. Our good friend Lynn, something is wrong with your rating system. I'm just gonna say, Doctor Andy, because for three years in a row, Lynn has won it, this it, contest. It has to be said that I I will be um, jiggering, rejiggering <laughs> the uh, scoring for the next party now that Lynn has won three times in a row because I think she's she's worked something out. She's worked <laughs> out the X factor and, and somehow is is machinating to win every year. There's, she can't be beaten. I mean it is and each year people are like people are close. It is not like she runs away with it. And when is you ahead. say people, which people are you talking about? Nobody in particular. Oh uh. I know. I know who's always close. Me. Mm-hmm. Me. This yeah. year I was two points away. Two point and that like Again, if you were ahead by 10 points every year, it would have, but like people are usually within two or three and that makes it even better, but also even more infuriating because come on. It, it is because I honestly last both last year and this year, I was pretty sure I was going to win because I know I was ahead until quite late into it. Mm-hmm. And then somehow she she pulls the win out of the bag. I think... I, Oh, no, carry on, Steve. It's, I mean, it was my party, but, you, but carry on. I just wanted to mention that I was eight points out of first place. That was very... And I, yeah. For a solid third place, right? Third or fourth? Mm. Uh, I think it was third place. Fourth, fifth? Well, fourth, it depends how you count, because there was a tie for uh, that, 75 that points. Is, that is true. A and and you want to know something else? John... Uh, uh, that guy named John yeah. was was that actually that, that one over <laughs> yeah. there. He he was actually in first place. I was at one point in time. I was uh, during the Oscars. When uh, when when was uh, it? You pulled off See, the ten pointer on one of them, didn't no, you? No, well, no, okay, no, no. Yes, We're talking about the first round. John but was actually will... <laughs> tied for first with every other everybody <laughs> person at the party uh, in the first yeah, round. Uh, that's right. He kind of sort of started to slip behind at that point and ended up. I think it was like what thirty-five up... points behind Lynn. No. I mean, yeah, potato, tomato. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you say thirty-five points. I say I did all right. Um, but before we go into that, you weren't last. I was not. No, thank you, man. Speaking of last place, uh, so last week we did a fun game of my own, where we did uh, Doctor Andy, People's Critic, and I. 
We talked about the films that we want to win and the films that will win. Oh, yeah. And gave our opinions on that. So, I tallied those scores. Want to hear those scores, Dr. Andy? Yeah. Okay, no, so- I'm, I'm good with, <laughs> uh, with my party scores. Yeah. Because out there, I think they're more genuine mm. and accurate, really. Not really. So, <clears throat> of the... Of the tallies, because I know people are interested in this, uh, in third place, with only five correct answers in the want to win column, is Dr. Andy. Well, that's different. Yeah, the, the want, want to, to win. I know like... the, the ones I want to win are not going to win. Well, you're I'll just measuring her. how good his dreams are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your dreams are dead last. Uh, in second I, and place. I'm fine with that. I'm absolutely <laughs> fine. I don't want to be winning the ones who everybody else wins. Okay. Uh, right. <laughs> so in second place of the want to win with nine points is me. Uh, and Tim ran away in the want to win category by getting 14 correct. But you know why that is? He, because he's the people's critic. He is the people's he's critic. The people's, he, he knows the voice of the people. Yeah. And he he wants it. What made this interesting, so in the will win column which granted andy and i we said it on the episode last week and it happened at the party on sunday we changed a few of our answers from what we said on the podcast which is okay Mm. but oh yes well andy also said i don't care on a couple of yeah there was a whole bunch of categories which i didn't have an answer for yeah well that counted as zero zero. (laughs) so so really you should be like at least eight points Mm. ahead you remind me of a latin teacher i had once okay like, uh, that's a zero. That's a zero. Yep, pretty okay. much. Yeah. So in the will win column, with twelve answers correct, there was a tie for first place between you, Doctor Andy, and Tim, the people's critic, <laughs> <laughs> with twelve points. And where were you at? I was. I had ten. So okay. I, I was still. I was still close. It was okay. still respectable. So you shouldn't have changed your answers when you got to the party. I would, I, well, no, I had more than 10 right answers at the party. Come on now. Um, but yeah, the overall scores, the overall aggregate scores, Andy is in last place with 17. I had 19. And Tim, the people's critic, ran away with a total aggregate score of 26 correct answers. Uh, so, Andy, how does it feel to be the last place? Yeah, how does that feel? Tell me about it. Uh, I think we'll both agree uh, that that your scoring method is, is, is amazing. Is about as clever as your rating system on this <laughs> right. <podcast>. So amazing. <laughs> uh, so for the record, if anyone wants, wants to make a soundbite of this episode, Doctor Andy is in last place. Uh, so that was a recap uh, of of last week of our will and want to win. One of my highlights of the Oscars evening, not only was the party, because it was good. Every year, the same group of us pretty much get together, plus or minus a couple people. Uh, and yeah, just it is a really solid group of people. So shout out to everybody who was there, who was listening to this, which I think is only going to be two people. Uh, but that is totally fine. But one of my other highlights, the text conversation that I was having with my blurred group, my black nerd group, uh, so that has Jess and Damien from the Curly Nerd podcast and Tim Hall the, all night. It was amazing. They were just giving me life throughout the whole thing. So that was a big highlight of mine. Steve, what were what was one of your highlights of the evening? <sighs> the highlight of the evening. One of them. Uh, well, I mean, I thought it was pretty well done 
uh, joke-wise, Jimmy Kimmel was the mm-hmm. host. Uh, you know, it's always uh, hit or miss. Uh, he had some political jokes in there. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump were pretty, were pretty good. Predictable, but yeah. good. Um, and then he brought in those folks uh, that were having the Hollywood tour, mm-hmm. which was a bit awkward at times. AKA but it was, my mm, least favorite part of the entire yeah. night. I felt horribly uncomfortable watching that entire segment. I hated it. Yeah. It, it went on too long. It went on too long, but even like right from the beginning, I seriously felt uncomfortable. I, it was cool I, that lady who said, he said, who's your favorite actor? And Denzel Washington was right there. And mm-hmm. that was a pretty cool moment. Yeah. I think, I mean, the biggest problem with that, I mean, I, I thought it was, it was a, a fun idea. I think the worst part of it was for me was, you know, sort of like realizing again, the, you know, the whole technological co- and i'm gonna sound like a grumpy old man here but <laughs> but you know, the whole technical okay so you're you're at the oscars which you weren't mm-hmm. expecting to and you've got all these stars and and you've got to look at it through a camera and you've got to take video uh, yeah, selfie stick, things camera, like that the selfie stick and stuff barrier. like that i mean honestly yeah. honestly enjoy the experience with your eyes without a screen or a camera <laughs> mm-hmm. in between you and the thing yeah, that you right. are videoing. Because I, oh. I get it. Like, I totally understand, like, oh, my gosh, this is happening. But at one point, Kim will even mention that. He was like, you realize we're on TV, right? Yeah. He was like, you don't need that. <laughs> um, Yeah. They're I, like, we want to remember this moment. Well, mm-hmm. you have the Academy Awards you can watch. All yeah. The time. With yeah. HD cameras <laughs> yeah. and, and all that. It just... I, I do not understand why they did that. I hope, I really, really hope they never do that again. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I hated the feeling that it was like, hey, all of you rich, successful, amazing people, here are some of the pores down front. I don't, like, I just, I don't think they presented it that I, way. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I think it was, I think it was genuinely an amazing experience for the the people went in there should it have been that amazing of an experience yeah well that's that's up to you know because they were on a hollywood bus looking for stars and then all of a sudden yeah we're all the stars yeah yeah Yeah. i I hated it um and i definitely think there were some plants on that bus uh i think there were some people because there were a couple people that were completely nonplussed about it but they were watching it on their stupid phones no no there was a guy the guy in the green his name was neil he was wearing a green jacket and a backpack he seemed out of it though like completely out of it i i think he wasn't surprised because he is just brain dead in that part of the world. I don't Maybe, know what was wrong with him, well, but this yeah. he wasn't impressed by anything. I mean, if you were prepped beforehand and you come in, you would probably do an overreaction mm-hmm. I think rather so. than an yeah. underreaction. Yeah. This but, might just be one of my favorite movies. Uh, Tim Meadows, Undercover Brother. Dave Chappelle plays a character called Conspiracy Brother. That, that is one of my nicknames with my family. <laughs> this might be one of my Conspiracy Brother moments, but uh-huh. Jimmy Kimmel, he was one of the only people that referred to him by name. He was like, go ahead, Neil. Mm-hmm. And he said his name. They had name tags on. But again, why was he the only one? No, they all had name tags on. No, why was he the only oh. one that Kim Ole specifically said Neil? I don't know, maybe because he Conspiracy. Shot, shot the president, Kennedy, or something. I don't it's know. It's a C-O-N-spiracy. Oh, God. <laughs> well, let's color talk about reference. some of the uh, su- surprises or the good things about the wins or the, uh, why did they win? I had sure. another... Fun oh, okay. moment. Yeah, yeah. Let's go no, back no, to no, that. no, but it's really what you're saying. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Moana was was a fantastic performance. I thought the song yeah. for Moana was really good. Mm-hmm. No, that and performance. It was cool to see her doing it. Yeah. And I liked that it had the extra little prologue from Lin Manuel Miranda, who mm-hmm. that guy cannot. Oh, I was about to say he cannot lose these days, but he did he lose. Did actually, lose. Um, but like his, he is going to keep going, and 
yeah, he is going to end up, I think, with a few Oscars yeah. at the end of his career. And it was a surprise to me because I, I had that one down as winning uh, against mm. what the odds said, which huh. was that City of, City Stars, of Stars won. City of Stars ended up winning. Mm-hmm. But I kind of went with my gut that they'd be swept away by the very inspirational, um, sweeping Disney song. I was wrong. Mm. So that was a big surprise mm. for mm. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dr. Andy, or or some of your surprises, mm. some snubs? Um, well, I, I, in the, in the last episode, I, I passed over a couple of things cause I hadn't seen any mm-hmm. of them, but I also did mention that I was going to try and catch a couple of the, um, yeah. the short uh, programs. So I did see all of the live action, action short films and the animated short films. Um, I was, when, when I saw the animated short films, it, it was a bit of a turnaround from the last time I'd seen all of them. Um, these were really not very appropriate for kids for the most part really 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 only only the the actual eventual win-up which is piper would would really work for you know for for small for younger kids mm-hmm. um the others were sort of like varying you know yeah a teen might like that or and yeah there was a couple which really only only adults would enjoy but they there were some really there was some really great animation uh amongst them piper was the most probably the most fun but i i really enjoyed blind Vaisha mm. not mm. everybody's cup of tea um, what was it it was it was kind of um knowing technology today I, I wouldn't swear it was done by hand but it looked like mm. it was a, a you know like a wood cut hand animated uh, uh thing um from Canada I believe okay. um and it was home really, of the crazy eight film festival <laughs> indeed In, interesting sort of like concept uh, 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 this girl mm-hmm. blind Vaisha she's called blind Vaisha. um she's born with one eye that can only see the past and one Ooh. eye that can only see the future which can cause complications in your life as bit. you can imagine you cannot see your your parents are either little babies or doddering old people and wow. you know it, it's yeah huh. it was it, it was really interesting and um i think it could easily have you know in any other year of you know grabbed someone's attention but yeah, fair, fair play. Piper was really good. And um, Piper, speaking of just from the technological aspect of it, the CGI brilliant. that they're able to do these days. Oh, my gosh. I mean, the tiniest grains of sand. And looked, feathers. I feathers. mean, it just, it it continues to blow me away, which is why, I mean, the best visuals, or what was that? What was the official category? Visual effects. Visual oh, effects oh, yeah. um, for Jungle, Jungle Book. Jungle Book, yeah. yeah. I mean, again, you can hear Andy and I talk about that on an episode way back when. It just, it is insane these days to truly see what they're capable of. All the musculature and yeah. the hair. And Individual like hairs blowing in the wind, yeah. So, and that they did just announce that they're doing a Lion King, which based off of Jungle Book and what they're able to do with Piper, it is going to look incredible. I have to say, I didn't see this coming, them redoing... 90s uh, animated movies as live action. They're I, doing Beauty and the Beast yeah. now. It's uh, I mean, it, yeah. it could work. It could work, I suppose. But uh, I, I almost wish they would put more effort into doing new properties, new stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it is one of the things where Disney, it is a no lose situation. They own the property. Yeah. They own it outright. Yeah. They can do whatever they want with it, and so far they have not had a miss. So it will be kind of interesting as it goes on. Yeah. You know, you need to start pumping in some new blood so that 30 mm-hmm. years from now you can redo it. But yeah, 
how often are they going to go back to the well? Yeah. I mean, yeah, Beauty and the Beast looks amazing. Cinderella was incredible. Jungle Book was incredible. They'll do the Home yeah. on the Range live action remake. Oh, wow. And, uh, was that an actual Disney one? Or is it that was an actual Disney okay. one in the... I get that one confused because it was in the 90s where like there were two or three different animation companies mm-hmm. doing stuff. Mm-hmm. If they do a Rescuers live action, mm-hmm. that would be amazing. Or the Rescuers Down Under for all of our Australian listeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, some of my surprises, uh, even though I'm really happy at one and I called it winning a month ago or months ago, Fantastic Beasts winning costume design was awesome. Like that was, it was really well deserved. I was worried that La La Land was going to win that because it was La La Land. Mm. But I like that the film itself, again, it might not have been great, but the costuming was incredibly well done. It was a period piece, which always kind of has a leg up, I think on any modern movie that is up for Mm -hmm. costuming. So yeah. But Andy, what were some, what would you say was your, not necessarily most anticipated, but like favorite one that you really think, deserved it um i i was i was really glad that manchester by the sea got original screenplay um with your boyfriend kenneth lonegan (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know i know that in the week before i i said uh, i would i would love the lobster Mm -hmm. uh to get it uh and and either way i I would have been really really happy but i knew i knew the lobster there was just absolutely no chance it was going to (laughs) win so i was really hoping that la 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 land wasn't going to win it and uh uh, the other ones yeah you know whatever but manchester by the sea uh it gets something which it it richly deserved and you know of course i would say the the only one that it richly deserved well no no i mean sort of i know there's there's controversy regarding casey affleck right now Mm -hmm. but i you know if we if we exclude that which i know is can be difficult to do i thought he 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 deserved the best actor but um you know i was i was happier that they won original screenplay because they yeah it wasn't clearly they were not going to be getting uh best picture so fair enough it beat 20th century women have you seen 20th century women i have not sorry i've heard it's good yeah, I mean, I kind of I heard that too. Um, that was one that just it just snuck past. Like I remember getting a, a press invite for it. Did not really look that interesting. By the time I started hearing that it was getting a lot of buzz, I'd missed the press screening, and it was not really something that I was like, "Oh yeah, I should go and pick that one up." Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of screenplay, really, like I want to put this in the show notes because I think it is incredible. I found this. They actually released it a while ago, and now it started getting. Uh, some more uh, press, I guess, on IndieWire.com, they have available a whole bunch of the screenplays for Mm. free Mm. that you can download. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Anybody who has any interest in filmmaking or wants to get into it, wants to do something like Crazy It's Film Festival, wants to do a 24-hour film festival, getting a screenplay for free and an award-winning screenplay and really seeing, being able to read it, look through it and then watch the movie and be like, okay, what did they take out? How did they work this in? Is incredible. Maybe we could act out fences in another episode of about to review. You're going to have to be Viola Davis. So done. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I will put that link in the show notes. The article came out back in December Uh, and yeah, you can download. Let me just roll through. Uh, Captain Fantastic, uh, Girl on the Train, Hail Caesar, Zootopia, Nocturnal Animals, like so many. Sing Street, they have the screenplay for that, which again, 
is a total snub for me. <laughs> I really wanted that to win something or get nominated. Mm-hmm. At least a nomination. I mean, you could have taken one of the La La Land yes. song, original songs out. How did that happen? Like, that should be against the rules. Why? You're stacking the deck. It is like Disney, like the best animated when, what, three out of the five are Disney? Like, yeah. yeah. I got the impression that you were surprised that Silence did not win for yeah. cinematography. That one, <sighs> while we were at the Oscar party, Steve heard a lot of me going, Ugh. Uh-huh. because La La Land, like, I get it. I talked about it on the episode. <laughs> I don't think you do like, get it, John. Because if you got it, you wouldn't be going, I know. every five minutes. Like, I gave it a good. It was a good movie. Is it because you like musicals so much that you didn't like it? Or because you perceive it to be way too white or safe or something? All of those. Honestly, all of those. As a musical, it failed. Because when you come out of a musical, you should remember the music that was in it and not have to go listen to the soundtrack just to get a reminder. With this, again, like when you put on the soundtrack, you're like, oh, yeah, there was this song. Outside of that, it is forgettable. So that was part of it. It was super safe. I mean, just hashtag basic. Like it just it was a love letter to Hollywood. Bleh. So, <laughs> I, again, I gave it a good. You didn't find uh, it moving at all. I did. I said I liked the ending a lot. Uh-huh. Um, I liked that it was not the typical, especially love letter to Hollywood not your typical Hollywood ending. Yeah. I really appreciated that. But in general, like for cinematography, really, like there were some really cool parts of this movie yeah. from a cin- cinematography point of view. 100%. I will, I will, I will admit that. Mm-hmm. What they were able to do in silence. Yeah. And or Lion. I haven't seen Lion, but I mean, just the trailers yeah. from Lion, it looks incredible. The scenery from, I mean, I'm guessing they were on location in India and, and Australia. Yeah. yeah. So just that one again. That that was one that totally surprised me. Yeah. I do not understand that. Like, yeah. what were they looking for? Because if they're looking for technical aspects, Martin Scorsese and his team were able to recreate historical Japan mm-hmm. and make you feel like you were there in a way that not since Akira Kurosawa mm-hmm. has been able has someone been able to do. So. Yeah. But I'll give the Academy Awards this. La La Land did not sweep like everyone. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's always the narrative going into the Academy Awards is this movie's going to sweep. They thought that was going to be true with The Revenant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it comes on the heels of Titanic doing so well yep. and Lord of Mad the Rings Max. doing so well. Yeah, I mean, Mad Max got a lot of production uh, awards, but it didn't win any of the top five. Oh, okay, thinking, fair you enough. Know what I mean? yep. um, so maybe it's just an easy thing to say, like, oh, La La Land is just going to sweep. And it's... um. You know, it's a prediction that you can make and then be surprised later. I don't know. But, also, uh, yeah. Yeah, I also think that one of the reasons for that, people kind of forget the Oscars is the last award show. Mm-hmm. Leading up to this, you have four months of award shows. Yeah. Golden Globes, People's Choice, Critics Awards, SAG Awards. So when you see these features winning a bunch of stuff, by the time it gets to the Oscars, yeah, it is the biggest and the best, quote unquote, quote, unquote um but, but it just you kind of get that oscar or not oscar awards fatigue yeah so if you if the only thing you watch is the oscars sure yeah but those of us who maybe see a little bit more or read about a little bit more there are so many award shows by the time the oscars mm-hmm. come up yeah so 
So, oh, go ahead and answer. Oh, uh, no, I was just going to go back to the films, actually. Um, the what? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, no, I just wanted to put a plug in uh, for the for the live action short films. Um, oh, yeah. The, the, the one that won, Sing. Uh, mm-hmm. It was, it was a, it was a cute um short film and it with, with but with a message and a, an mm. anti-authority message which i thought was was um timely let's say um the other film the other short film there which i thought could have won and i would have been really happy if it had one was time code which is a, a spanish oh, yeah. uh, short film um it that was, was one that tim had seen and liked mm, it's, it's, it's a really um really happy i guess you, i mean for something kind of downbeat it makes you feel very happy by the end the okay. other ones um, an enemy <laughs> anterior was a little bit too serious for itself. La femme et le TGV didn't have enough to it, and Silent Nights, the, kind of the opposite. It had um, too much stuffed into it. It, it was interesting. Uh, when, going back to the uh, earlier talk about the Crazy Eights, mm-hmm. is it was one of those things where you're thinking, okay, so this is a, this is a lot. This is a feature film, and it's stuffed Eesh. into thirty minutes. You you, sh- you, and you can't can feel put it. all that stuff in there. It's an entire story in thirty minutes, um, so it it didn't it wouldn't have got my vote. So. That, is, that is unfortunate. I mean, when again, when you do a short film, there's a way to do it where it is just enough, where it gives you just enough. It gives you beginning, middle, and end, or even a beginning and middle, and makes you longing for a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But when it gives you beginning, middle, and end that you know was compressed, and as you are watching it, like it sounds like with this one, you knew while you're watching it that it just it felt claustrophobic. Yeah, there's too much, way too much stuff. I'm glad they haven't cut these short film uh, categories over the years. It would be really easy yeah. to say, the Oscars are too long, let's mm-hmm. cut these out. And I think the uh, creators of these get the most value out of oh, for sure. the Academy Awards yeah, uh, because they get so much attention. And you can buy these, I'm pretty sure, on iTunes after the fact. Oh, nice. And other places uh, because people are curious. Oh, that looked like a good one in that little s- tiny snippet I saw. And they get <laughs> curious. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go seek these out myself. Yeah. Uh, one quick thing, actually, since you just mentioned Annie, Andy, Annie. Call me Annie if you like. <laughs> And tomorrow <laughs> oh, oh do not even get me started I said it that bit out top five least favorite <clears throat> musical anyway um going back to the craziest film festival one of the things that i really liked about the three that we were able to see all three of them and i talked about this kind of last week all three of them english was not the only spoken language that was really cool <laughs> even to see in a short film that all three of them some of it it was a minute or two some of it it was about half the movie mm-hmm. in chunks. <clears throat> really, really cool. I I like it when they do that. And I think that a lot of the foreign directors and filmmakers do it more often. And American well, directors are... Well, you want to know are... what was crazy here? All... Because uh, I saw the animated ones first and mm-hmm. then the live action. All the animated short films were from North America. I mean, some, I think, were originally made in, in French from Canada. Mm-hmm. And all of the live action short films were... Um, made in Europe. Interesting. Mm, yeah. Of the live action shorts, were they, I mean, obviously some of the titles were not in English, but mm-hmm. was it a mix or was it all? No, they were, they were all uh, in, uh, in non-English languages. There was, there was some English spoken in Silent Nights because it, it had a character who didn't speak Danish. It was gotcha. set in Denmark. Yeah, Pepper. Yeah, Pepper. But all the, yeah, all the other movies were, were uh, French, uh, Danish, uh, uh, Hungarian, and Spanish. Mm. Nice. Yeah, I just, it is something that American filmmakers, I get it. 
it is a hurdle. You do not trust your audience, but just give it to us. Trust us. We can handle it. John gets it. I just John gets it. Yeah. Uh, it just really frustrates me, especially when you look at historic movies that are taking place in a country of origin where English either was not spoken or was barely spoken, and your whole movie is in English. Yeah. And my my big knock on silence was that this takes place in historical Japan. This is not ancient Japan. This is historical Japan, 1600s. And Andrew Garfield, the whole thing, a lot of it is in English. And at one point, Andrew Garfield says something along the lines of, oh, you speak Portuguese too. But he says it in English. And I was like, wait, are we supposed to believe that you were speaking Portuguese this whole? What? Like, it just, it makes no sense. Leave that part out or do it in a different language. Like, it just, it makes the audience feel dumb. That that would have been quite the feat to get Andrew Garfield to learn Portuguese. incredible. And sound like a native. He could just watch City of God um, yeah. over and over. Uh, have you guys seen the, on Netflix, they have a 20 years later documentary about it? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah, check it out. It's mm. good. Um, Let's talk about Best Picture for a minute. Obviously, mm-hmm. there was the mistake that happened. I don't what? think there's much. To there was s- a mistake. <laughs> I don't think there's actually <laughs> much to that. say about it. Honestly, I mean, they, he gave him the wrong envelope, and they handled it as graciously <laughs> as they could. Mm-hmm. You know, Warren Beatty. You know, he rolled with it. Jimmy Kimmel came in, and the uh, producer for uh, La La Land. Mm-hmm was very gracious in, in once he realized, I mean, there was a moment of shock where he kind of stepped back and he's like, yep. are you kidding me? But he recovered very quickly. And I guess they've been traveling the circuit, like you said. And uh, clearly he had a lot of respect for Moonlight and and, um, and happily gave, yep. it, gave it over there and, and was very gracious. Yeah, it wasn't I, like a tug of war. <laughs> that would have been a great moment. That would have been sure. a bit. I yeah. did like, yeah, I did like that moment yeah. where he was like, this isn't a joke. Because yeah. a lot of times, and you heard it a bunch on Sunday... When yeah. people are like, this award belongs to all of you because I learned from all... Shut up. Yeah. Like, you won. We get it. But my Look favorite at you, moment, Emma Stone. Whatever. My favorite <laughs> moment at the party was uh, when they announced La La Land. Mm-hmm. The, the reaction from John and uh, my internal dialogue for John was, oh, the Academy is full of all these white men and they don't care about black people or gay issues or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And it was a Schrodinger's cat moment, right? Because La La Land hadn't won. The yeah. Academy actually had voted for mm-hmm. Moonlight. Mm-hmm. And then the award was given to the actual winner. And yeah. John's internal monologue <laughs> must have flipped to yeah. the Academy is yeah. very progressive. Yeah, they're, and they're yeah. Very, it's really it's diverse. It's a diversity. Changed. It's amazing. What was funny about that <laughs> is I had positioned myself in the room oh, near a table. And I told everyone there, I was like, if La La Land wins Best Picture, I am flipping this table. <laughs> uh, only partially joking. So it wins. I legitimately get upset. And I was like, whatever. I did not even want to hear the speech. So I went. Just get upset. I don't, oh. So I went into, I went in to get my coat in a different room. And then I started hearing all of this stuff going on. I was like, what is going on? I come back out there and I was like, what is going on? Yeah. Just like a lot of people did. We had a friend of ours who she updated her Facebook status. She was like, oh, I turned it off. And then she had turned it, like, turned the channel and then started getting alerts from Facebook being like, wait, what? So I came back in the room right as kind of it started unraveling mm-hmm. and just started going crazy. I got very, very excited mm-hmm. uh, about that. Uh, yeah, I, 
I will tell everybody, and I have told everybody, go this see Moonlight. This is the most important movie. Of our generation. And again, like, and Andy, I respect that that you do not think it is that I, important. I do, I do not think it is. And I totally understand that. But this is still a movie that people need to see. Once again, tell us why. The reason why is... Again? And, yeah, I was like, <laughs> listen, listen to the five episodes where I have talked about it. Uh, the story that it tells is challenging. The way it tells it is challenging. When you have three different actors in three different points of his life, and you have to go along with it. You have to be absorbed. You have to connect with each of these three actors, and you do. Mm-hmm. And it tells a story that unfortunately never gets told. Mm-hmm. And Which story? So that of the LGBTQ, and you can add any extra letters that you want to in every region. They have a different one. It tells a story that is so integral to our gay and lesbian and trans community that this is okay. Mm-hmm. That what you go through as a child, what people say to you, it, it hurts. But there can come a time where it is okay. And the moment there's, I talked about this then one of the last scenes, not the very last scene, which is also beautifully shot um, and very poignant considering the name of the play in, in at night, black boys look blue. Um, But the second to last shot on the couch is beautiful. It just, it is one of the most emotional and evocative scenes because it shows black love Mm -hmm. in a way that has never been shown in a major motion picture and for it to win and now more people will be like okay i might not have been it looked too artsy before Mm -hmm. did not really understand what it was before but it won let me check it out yeah i just yeah and being gay is more taboo i would guess in inner city black america and just in a lot of minority communities absolutely and so, it's, so it played on so many different levels. It touched on so many levels of, yeah, who, who are you? Yeah. And who do you need to be in your community to stay safe? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it so, so deserved that win. I hope people listening to this and I hope people who watched the Academy Awards are now going to give it a shot. I know that mm-hmm. locally, uh, Cinerama is playing it again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am sure most major markets in the U.S. are going to be re-releasing it. Yeah, go it's see it. It's an excellent it. movie. It yeah. didn't. It didn't totally land with me, but yeah. it's an excellent movie. No, it's, it is a good movie, but it doesn't speak to any of my experiences <laughs> as, as we've laid out from the battle rappers. <laughs> I would like to do a battle rap now. <laughs> are we? Is this? Is this rapping? Am, am I rapping? Am I rapping now? A hip to the hip, hip hop, and I don't stop. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so. That, that was just a really great moment, I think, for the African-American community, for the gay and lesbian community, for the indie filmmaking community. We talked about Crazy Eights on this, and Andy and I have covered indie film festivals before. We're going to be covering another one uh, this coming week. This movie is the most independent movie to ever win Best Picture. The budget of this was like, I think, $1.2 million dollars. Like, the budget was tiny, what they had to do. So, it was incredible. It is the first all-black movie, feature, that has won an award and nominated for an award of this caliber. And none of them were slaves. 
none of them were maids. Mm. Like, <laughs> well, that is an important point. It yeah, seriously is. is. Important point. Yeah, yeah. So, and yeah, I, that that would be a whole different thing. But yeah, I, I was very happy with that. Um, and yeah, the whole snafu. I could put on my conspiracy brother hat and fill you in I on on a bunch know. of stuff, Please but it just don't do that now. <laughs> <laughs> maybe for the patrons, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that was that was kind of it. Do you guys have any other kind of final thoughts with with the Oscars? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dead silence. I, th- I, th- I, th- I think there were some uh, there's some really good choices, some interesting mm-hmm. choices. I'm glad that that uh, the Academy Awards didn't go all for the uh, the lead contender. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, um, nobody's ever going to be completely happy with what what happens. Yep. But you know, yeah, it was it was it was a decent decent showing, I think. Yep. In my uh, party betting here, mm-hmm. my my voting for what I thought was going to win. A lot of the time I went with what the odds said, which right. was La La Land in a lot of the categories. Uh, but I said to myself, you know what? Sometimes they split the director and the picture. Yeah. Uh, and so I said, best director is probably going to be Barry Jenkins, Moonlight. Mm. And best picture is probably going to be La La Land. And so I I split it the wrong way. Yep. And that happened to me in sound editing and mixing as well. Yep. I said the exact opposite of what it actually was. Which is Arrival one sound editing and mm-hmm. Hacksaw Ridge one sound mixing, and I had it backwards. Yeah. Are there are there any uh, of next these next year? <laughs> are there any of these movies that you are now excited to see that you missed? Well, there's a lot of documentaries that uh, got nominated that I haven't seen yet. I am not your Negro mm-hmm. and Life Animated uh, and Thirteenth, um, all I haven't seen yet. So those yeah. are definitely on my list. I love documentaries. Cool. Um, yeah, uh, some of the documentary shorts I'd definitely like to see, and I, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I should see Hacksaw Ridge. I'm, I'm going to say it now. I should see Hacksaw Ridge. I like war movies. I do like I know war you movies. Do. <laughs> and, so yeah, I'm going to go and see Hacksaw Ridge somehow. Okay. And you, you say Mel Gibson's a good director. You like Apocalypto think, and Braveheart. Yeah, I think all of us, all of us yeah. can and yeah. have agreed. Yeah. You talk about separating the art from the artist. Yeah. Mel Gibson is a great director and a terrible human being. Yeah. Uh, Casey Affleck. I've not seen Manchester by the Sea. I hear his performance is great. He is still a bad person. Um, so, yeah. You know, back in the old days, oh, they, didn't know, they didn't know what artists did that was bad for the most part. You know, Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo. I was like, how far back? Who knows? What did he do wrong? Jeez, like, how far back? Back in the Renaissance when I was a child. Like, what? Yeah, but my point is, these days... Cave paintings were not done by innocence, John. <laughs> I yeah. guess not. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really tough to separate the art from the artist because mm-hmm. we hear about everybody's picadillos these days. Yeah. And uh, I'm just saying there's a lot of artists that their art comes from pain and being messed up. And they... They yep. probably did some bad things that we have no idea And also, about. this is a family show. Can you please stop mentioning your picadillo? <laughs> uh, that is very inappropriate. Uh, but yeah, so the movie that I... Of the winners, the movie that I want to see the most... It's kind of tough. The Salesman uh, definitely uh, sound oh, yeah. really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that that won. I think that that had a good message as far as the person who accepted the award. Uh, oh, and we almost forgot, and I would be completely remiss if we did not talk squad. about. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Squad. How could we? How could we forget that? 
Oh, I did. I my believe God. I did name that you for did. Uh, makeup and hairstyling. You really did, yeah, and yeah. that is crazy. I am bringing up because there was a, uh, there have been a bunch of articles about that, as you can imagine. But here, here's just a little list for you. Uh, Andy, how many awards has The Shining won? Probably zero. Psycho, maybe zero. It's a Wonderful Life, not many. Zero. Stand by me. Uh, less than one. Stand by me. Zero. Requiem for a Dream? Uh, it wasn't two, or, or, or was it? I think it was Zero. one. Oh, really? Nope. Oh, okay. Shawshank Redemption? Yeah. Um, Zero. Fight Club? Zero. Uh, the list goes on. <laughs> Suicide Squad <laughs> has now won an Academy Award. What the hell is wrong with the world? Uh, yeah. Like, uh, I... Well, the croc looked pretty amazing, I gotta okay, say. Go... And Harley Quinn, I liked that take on Harley Quinn. I know she looks different than Paul <laughs> Dini's uh, Harley Quinn, yeah. but... And she didn't have the same voice, which I really miss. But, well, uh, of course. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think the makeup was that great in Fight Club, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but people just... famously made fun of the Joker's tattoos being way too yeah. literal, saying disturbed or yeah. broken or something disturbed. like that. Damaged, damaged. Yeah. And ha 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 being on his neck and everything and the grill. But the thing with me is like, I mean, I picked a man called, is it Ovi? Mainly because old age makeup is very, very hard to do. That being said, Star Trek Beyond, when you look at the actual creature designs and what they're able to do pra- with practical effects, because guess what? Croc was a bunch of CGI, and it was a croc. Oh, um, good pull. So with that, like, I just do not understand that. But, Tim, <laughs> you called it. You know, all of us know, they're going to be putting on a Blu-ray this week that says... Oscar winning <laughs> Suicide Squad. Oh, the Enchantress looked good too. No, she did not. Oh. Was that oh. all CGI? She didn't look that good. I mean, there's some thought. CGI smoke going on, but uh, you didn't like her make? No. Okay. Look like know. Aaliyah on the Rock the Boat video or Queen of the Damned. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that one, that was a huge surprise. It, just, it pains me that this team, who now WB. And DC Films is going to be like, all right, guys, we got ourselves an Oscar winner. And everything else is going to be hot garbage. So I I just am real worried about that. But we could not have not mentioned <laughs> Suicide Squad. Oscar winning Suicide Squad. <sighs> yeah. Uh, incredible. Chalk it out. Put it on the box. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, okay. So for Oscars 2017, that was that. Uh, the last little bit of this episode uh, is called Video Game Minute Theme Song. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. And you are done. Uh, Okay. So since this guy named Steve is on this episode and he is uh, my de facto uh, video game correspondent, Mm -hmm. um, there is a trailer that dropped today. Today is Monday. We are recording this on Monday night that I am pumped Four. Mm-hmm. Steve, what game am I so excited for? The sequel to Shadow of Mordor. Yes. Called Shadow of War. <laughs> door. <laughs> I was say, like, it's hard I, not to say the door. It really, yeah. yeah. So it's in the Lord of the Rings universe. Yes. The first one uh, broke new ground by having mm-hmm. the orcs remember who you were when you yeah. died and they come upon you. And what is it go, called? The, the I'm going to kill you. Ven- vengeance system? Legacy. The, not legacy no. system. Uh, 
I'm forgetting. Man, I can remember. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously they're going to continue that in this next one. And apparently there's something about the landscape that gets affected as you go through the generations of mm-hmm. getting killed and coming back. And uh, it looks like from the trailer that the wraith gets knocked out of you. And maybe yeah. there's ring powers or something like that. So here, here is my quick thing with that. One of my favorite video game series is God of War. I love the God of War series going all the way back to PlayStation 2, I think was the first one. Or yeah, PlayStation 2, uh, two or 3. So those games are incredible. By the end of those games, and every time, real quick, while Steve and I talk about this, I look over at Andy. And he just I have no idea what he's Blank expression about. on his face. This, he is, re- this is his Aaliyah. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. I know, I know who Aaliyah was. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, when was last? What was the last video game you played? It. Oh no, actually, you played. I played uh, uh, the one that uh, we talked about, the race car, the arena. Oh yeah, Rocket League. Rocket League. Yeah, I was really bad at it. You really were. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so at the end of the God of War games, you depending on which game, you have killed gods. Whether it was the Greek gods, the Roman gods, it got real confusing. But you are a god killer. You have yeah, these incredible you have powers. All the powers. Beginning of the next game. Through some crazy machinations, right. something happens. You lose all of your crap. Yeah, this is that they already got it in the trailer that you know that that is going to happen. Because by the end of Shadow of Mordor, it was amazing. Right, the things that you were able to do based on the runes that you, you know, used and which you know power sets you used. Yeah, but this one in the trailer, you immediately see Celebrimbron like pulled from your body, and you're like, all right, crap. I'm gonna start from the beginning again. Yeah. In the uh, first game, mm-hmm. you could attack and ride trolls. Yes. I'm guessing in this one, you can do the same with uh, Balrogs. <laughs> Steve, Steve looks at me when he says, Balrogs? I'm not a Lord of the Rings guy, but I love this game. Um, it's, it's, this that's is a family what, show. Did I have it right? Steve. Okay, so He's yes. He's the boxer from the Street Fighter? No. Balrog. No, no it is. Yeah, oh, yes, he is. Of course he is. Uh, and what was his original name? Vega. No. M. Bison. Oh, terrible. There because it was a take on Mike Tyson, but they didn't want to get sued in America, so they changed it. Yep. Perfect. Okay. So in the trailer for this game, you see towards the end of the trailer, this epic moment, the ground starts shaking, and up comes a Balrog. Uh, it looks incredible. Yeah. I, that better be one of the last things you face. because You don't want to ride it? No, no, that would be absolutely ridiculous. Because the ball rock. Okay, how how long do we have? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I think it was just game minute. Mm. Although, yeah, <laughs> there was a parenthesis with an S in there somewhere. So the ball rock. I hope it is one of the last enemies. That was my biggest problem with Shadow of Mordor. Uh-huh. The last enemy was a bunch of crap. Uh-huh. Like the final final boss, it was way too easy. It had a quick time event that went by too quick. That did not really explain what happened. The way you got to him was incredibly challenging. And then the final boss battle was just weak. Yeah. And I hate that in video games. So Something tells me they're going to put the time and effort to really have a good, strong ending on this one. Yeah. So it, if it is not the Balrog, I think the Balrog will be like the mini boss leading up to the big boss. We will see. Can't wait for it. Yeah. So the trailer dropped today. I will also put those the link to that in the show notes. You it can't is... really find it anywhere else. So. <laughs> it is a very select link. Uh, but yeah, Shadow of War, the sequel to Shadow of Mordor. Did they even announce when it was coming out? Uh, I don't think so. I think the full trailer... Probably more than a year from now, I'm guessing. <sighs> Killing me. The full trailer drops, I think, on the 18th. But yeah, definitely excited for that. Uh, it is one of the somewhat rare AAA titles that gets me really excited 
to play. Mm-hmm. So I've been yeah. playing some Resident Evil Evil Seven. Oh as my well. gosh, that looks terrifying. It's, really, it's good. It's really good. <laughs> I have watched a lot of the VR. Yeah, the like we play oh, type yeah, of yeah. VR. But you're not seeing it in VR. No. Yeah. yeah okay. Which I like that when. <laughs> so if you go on like Twitch or something and you see someone with the headset, uh-huh. and you you have their direct feed, you see exactly what they're seeing. Yeah. And like you would in a normal game or a movie, something scary happens and they turn away, but they're still in the world. There's something else scary there. <laughs> so, so you constantly see the reaction of the people playing the game. You're like, ah, they look away and they're like, ah. <laughs> just like, it just keeps happening. Those videos are amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, all right, cool. So on this episode, we talked about uh, the Crazy Eights Film Festival. So definitely check them out. Uh, go to their website. Uh, check out Lillian Sue on Twitter for all of the updates on that. If you are a burgeoning film uh, maker, definitely hit her up. She will have the connections that, that you will need to really get going and get involved in something like that. It is a five-minute pitch video, and you could get $1,000 and a production package to make a film. That is pretty incredible. So we talked about that. Uh, we talked about Get Out, or I talked about Get Out, and my official rating was good. Definitely go and see that. I'm interested to see what you think of that, Steve. Uh, we talked a lot about the Oscars uh, and the various things that happened with the Oscars. And I got to admit, this is actually pretty good Oscars. Like, it was it was kind of funny. Kimba was a decent host. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sometimes the Oscars, and we all have been watching them together for a while sometimes it is kind of just a, a slog we're just so much happier since they took out the dance numbers i tell you oh yeah mm. well yeah there was a there were dancers this year two dan two sets of dancers but not the whole yeah thing um yeah and then we ended with shadow of war the amazing sequel to shadow of mortar that i cannot wait to play now yes. if you're making a movie and you uh-huh. need to score it yeah or maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're saying my headphones are crap what would you do <laughs> Well, what I would do personally is head down to American Music in Fremont. Uh, because again, you can go in there and say, "I need this thing," whether it's a pair of headphones, and they will have headphones that range from very reasonable for a good set of studio headphones at fifty dollars to a lot more than that. I went in there recently, just look at some more mics, just to kind of see, you know, when I start to upgrade those. Not even joking, you can buy one microphone. For eighteen hundred dollars. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and even that, and Andy and I have talked about that for like a radio broadcast That's quality microphone. Eighteen hundred is actually a steal. Yeah. So they're great. They also have uh, used equipment, mm-hmm. um, and all of it. Like if you get something used from American Music, you know it is still going to be really, really good. Like these guys take it seriously. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this episode has been brought to you, of course, by American Music. Uh, unlike the Oscars. And unlike Ferris Bueller's Day Off, there is no surprise ending. This is the ending of the episode. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at about to review. You can go to the website, abouttoreview.com, and stream the episodes there. Those always have much more in-depth notes on them. Uh, you can check it out on Stitcher. If you go on iTunes and give a review, you will get a shout-out. So that is where you can find me. Steve, where can people find you? On Instagram, at standinside. On Twitter, at Steve Blog. Or at my website, standinsidemedia.com. Excellent. 
And Andy, if people have two African swallows and they tie a coconut together with a message on them, is that how they, is that the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, it probably is, yes. Okay, fair enough. All right, so for this episode, I have been your host, that guy named John, and I have been joined by... This guy named Steve. And... Dr. Andy. And we will see you next time. This has been an About to Review production. Thank you to Vexing Media, who provides audio editing services. They are a graphic design, website design, and digital media company. You can find them at their website, vexingmedia.com, or on Facebook and Twitter, at Vexing Media.